Hello, this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and an energy worker and a channel. And uh, I do quite a lot of uh, things to develop tools uh, for your education, for your healing, for your self-understanding. And uh, quite often in MP3s on SoundCloud here, I, I try to take a, a bird's eye view on something, whether it's an individual or something in our culture or a current event, you know, and kind of try to put it in the context of the evolution of the collective. To, uh, today uh, is July 2nd, 2017, and uh, in two days is the 4th of July uh, here in the U.S., which is Independence Day, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole, like, mythology and story about how great America is. I think about this all the time because all the time. I don't know if that's fair. I think about it quite often, especially when we get to this time of year and people are, you know, emotionally jerking off to how great America is and like the greatest hits of American greatness. And um, so I think about it quite often. I, My midheaven is the U.S.'s sun. So around July 5th, or sorry, July 4th every year, right around there, you know, give or take a day because of the, uh, you know, the deal with uh, 360 degrees, but more than the number of days. Oh my God, my brain is starting to fart already. I, I'm a, a minute and a half into this MP3. Um, but the sun crosses my midheaven now, and I just think about this. <laughs> I just, I think about this. Um, and then a few days after that, it crosses over my south node, which is in Cancer in the 10th. And I have a part of me that has this inclination toward patriotism, but I am very allergic to the blind loyalty, head up ass crap that goes with American loyalty, which is uh, which is concept of American loyalty with patriotism. So for example, uh, some part of me, when I, <laughs> when I hear the song Over There, right, which is by George M. Cohan from like the 19 teens, you know, written as or after the United States entered World War One in 1917, I have an emotional response, right? Yet, when I go to a sporting event, I do not fucking feel like standing up and putting my hand over my heart. I do not take my hat off. So anyway, what I typically do if I go to a sporting event or a music show where they're going to do this, like a drum corps show, I will, I will just show up late. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I think the last time that I found myself in that context was in 2003, <laughs> You know, uh, when I was in Cheyenne, Wyoming, over July 4th, and the war in Iraq was in full swing in toward the early days, and I was driving my possessions in a rental truck from Boston to Los Angeles, and um, yeah, I was driving. I arrived in LA on July 9th. Anyway, a friend of mine from Michigan was with me. I picked her up on the way, and we were in Cheyenne at the like rodeo grounds for a fireworks show. Anyway, there was this whole extended slideshow with patriotic music about, you know, honoring the the veteran, the people who had died, the American service people who had died in combat. And it was like laboriously long and it was whatever. And if, as I describe this, if you're listening to this, if you happen to stumble into this because you don't know what Uranian, that you're going to get a very Uranian, you know, rebellious, nonconformist, you know, culture busting finger in the air. <laughs> you don't know that that's what you're going to get from me. You, you you might think that I'm disrespectful. 
I'm not disrespectful. I just have a thing about this institution of patriotism. It's, I'm going to get into it today because this MP3 is about something I think about all the time in terms of uh, uh, the United States and the seemingly... I don't know how to say I guess uh, over the course of the MP3, I'll be able to explain myself. This thing about race in America, this thing about believing in the myth of America that overlooks the reality of the pain that comes from the myth of America. This is a show about the United States chart. This is a show about its Chiron in Aries in the fourth. And it's a show about what America, what the United States is, from the collective point of view, supposed to be about. So it's a it's a big topic. It's kind of ambitious, but I've been thinking about it for years. Um, what I want to say first is that I've been thinking for days about actually getting, a couple of weeks, about actually getting this uh recorded and then today when i was in the sauna and in the infrared sauna in the bathroom my girlfriend has this diy uh infrared sauna it's awesome and i was sitting there listening to probably my favorite podcast which is called on the media and it's from wnyc and it's a it's a public radio deal and the new episode this week is called what ails america it's in three segments and on the media so they analyze the media, but also media's role in culture, and it's fascinating. And it saves you, if you've listened to these MP3s on SoundCloud for me, you've probably heard me talk about it in the past, because it's it, you don't have to listen to all the people with the, the fake constructed studio selling you news voices. A terrible tragedy happened. You don't have to listen to all that shit and all that crap and try to sort through stuff. They sort through it. They listen to all that crap, so you don't have to deal with the vibration of most of the media. And then they essentially, mostly, calmly describe to you a meta description and analysis. So anyway, it's my favorite because I want to know what's going on, but I can't handle the um, the energy in pr news presenters' voices in the U.S. I can't stand it. Anyway, uh, sometimes they even play clips on it where they excerpt, you know, three or four or five examples of coverage from the week on the topic they're going to now analyze. And that energy's in there, and I have to just, like, pull the earbuds out because just that energy of uh, that constructed studio voice of, like, um, you know, I studied speech in college so I could present the new – anyway, so – what Ails America is the current episode. The first two segments, Happy Birthday Canada, with the question mark at the end, it's 10 minutes, and then Grieving in Life and in the Media, which is 13 minutes. I was listening to those two things and the contrast of those two stories back to back, and then the third one's about Copeland and music and whatever. Uh, I didn't even listen to it because I got so inspired by this. Those two things stirred me to organize this and actually make some notes, which I never do for these MP3s, to do this. So anyway, I just want to say I highly recommend you listen to those things, those two segments, 23 minutes of your life, What again, from onthemedia.org, and then look for the episode from early July, which is called What Ails America. I thought about just downloading the MP3s and just pasting them in here, but I want to give you the option of, you know, whatever, you can go find it. So that's the inspiration for this that, that kind of triggers 
me after weeks and months and years of thinking about all these topics. Um, where's the best place to start, Tom asked himself while recording. Um, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about some channeling I've done about what is going on with, with America and then a meta perspective on the myth of America. This, you know, American exceptionalism, America the great, America the beautiful, whatever. I want to just talk a little bit about the channel perspective from Ascended Master Jehuti, which is spelled D-J-E-H-U-T-Y. That's his Egyptian or Chem, comedic name. Um, and Chem is the real name for what we call ancient Egypt. That's his comedic name. And then he's also known by Thoth or Toth or Toth or whatever. Uh, and also... Uh, Saint Germain and the keep the the keeper of the violet flame of forgiveness, and also her, he's the Hermes figure, the Mercury figure that shows up in every culture. So he's also known as Hermes, and then also Merlin, that mythologized uh, druid high priest. That that's him. Now an ascended master has lived lives on Earth, and will serve certain particular functions during that life. Um, once that being has ascended is the word, right? And that is, you know, ascending beyond certain limitations that humans experience. There is a job title of Ascended Master, which has the job description of being available to teach things to humans. So periodically, they live human lives, and the, the Count de Saint-Germain, de, de Saint oh my God, I'm totally fucking that up, Saint-Germain, I'll just say the English, I can't do any accents right now. Um, the more I go into channeling mode, the less I can do accents, including like regional and foreign. Li anyway, so I can't do that. So I messed that up. St. Germain was one of those lives from him. There are a number of them, including Christopher Columbus. Yes, the Italian funded by the Spaniards who, quote, discovered America, unquote. Um, that was one of his lives. This is a difficult thing to talk about for, for some people now. You know, honestly, because of what I'm going to talk about with the USA Chiron and Aries in the fourth in its in its uh, inception chart, its natal chart, you know, the birth of uh, the U.S. Uh, by the way, I'm using uh, July fourth, seventeen seventy six at four fifty p.m. Uh, in Philadelphia. So you get that eight degree fourteen Sagittarius rising. Um, and I will talk about the, this chart more, but just to let you know, that's the chart I'm using. Um, so, Jehudi, this Ascended Master, who's here to help us understand evolution, is a spearheading figure in the colonization, the opening up, the, the, you know, the discovery, quote-unquote, the, the opening up of this continent, being a driving force in what led to this melting pot that is America. So a few years ago, when I was really tired, I mean, I was just exhausted. I had put out, in the previous couple of years, I'd put out four channel books, and I'd also written a bunch of other books. And I was kind of burned out from writing, and then he was ha he, he was having me. He, he was inviting me to do these energy work calls, and I did that in 2014. And then I did this whole series of um, energy work calls with, with Metatron's energy combined. So I went through this whole phase. During that time, Jehudi kept saying to me casually, hey, 
you've thought a lot about this myth of America. Let me tell you this whole story. Just sit down, turn on the recorder, and I will talk through you and do this thing. And I was like, dude, I'm so tired. And he was like, you're going to love it. And I was like, uh, maybe someday. And he, and honestly, he was like, uh, look, it's just going to take like an hour, hour and a half. And I was like, bullshit. It's going to take like six to eight hours <laughs> because I could see the data bank. I could see the information, you know. Okay, so I'm going to summarize a little bit of it here today. He wants to tell the story of America, and I just, I think it's overkill. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to summarize some of it. And, and it has to do with this Chiron thing, with the race thing, with the slavery thing, and now with the coming to a head, the the, the almost approaching uh, in the short term, maybe in the near term future boiling point of this race crap with police shootings of young black men slash young black people. Uh, everything that I've been thinking about for years got stirred about this with the verdict of the the acquittal of the police officer who shot Philando, Philando, sorry, Philando Castile. And I was in some, and as soon as I heard that or read that headline, I was like, oh, now something's different. Something has changed. This is a pivot into more of the core of the wounding of America about race for diff for several reasons, but I couldn't at that moment discern why. And I was talking with somebody else about this, and I honestly don't remember who it was. Um, I don't know if it was a student or a client or somebody wrote me or something. And and I said, yeah, something's different about this. And she said, yeah, this is different. Something's different. I mean, the details are different. Uh, there's no way to, you know, in a revisionist style, paint this man as a threat to the officer who shot him, you know, in a lot of these other things over the last three, four, five years, I, I, I don't know how long this has, you know, uh, been going on. I can't track the time, but all these other things where the cop could say, oh, he was rushing me or the cop could say, um, well, he had a hoodie on and he was threatening, or I thought he had, you know, all those things are out the window. Cause he said, he's in his car, right? His hands are visible. And he says, look, I, I am I am carrying a gun or I am carrying a weapon, whatever he said. So all those things are out. And he's a licensed gun owner. So all those other things about other people, you know, are out. But there's just something about this. I think it's also his um his girlfriend who uh you know, right after he got shot, you know, the the, the live the live streaming via Facebook and how remarkably cool and collected she was in the middle of this like, you know, crazy shit that was completely wrong. I think this is all pointing at this turning point. And so that's kind of what inspired me to want to get my thoughts together. And then when I heard the on the media, what ails America thing, uh, you know, with, I'll just tell you the happy birthday Canada question mark segment has to do with Canada Day, uh, July 1st, and the one that just happened yesterday, as of this recording, July 1st, 2017, is 150, uh, 150th anniversary of the, you know, founding or whatever, independence of Canada. And they're talking about how they're not, you know, Canadians don't have a sense of patriotism like the U.S. overworks to have. And one of the reasons is 
at the founding, well, it's it's complex. Again, 10 minutes long, listen to it. But at the founding, um, it had to do with this like concession between British and French territories and whatever, and the indigenous peoples were just left out and stepped on, and they're still aware of that. They're still cognizant of that. Not just in Canada, not just indigenous groups, First Nations is what they're called, not just those people speaking up, but other people saying, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Spend a lot of money on celebrating this power differential, this power dynamic, and this wound? Anyway, so that's refreshing. But then uh, the grieving life in media about, including some stuff, you know, about these recent shootings. But um, just know that's where the inspiration uh, comes from. It, it, you know, I'm tr- I was triggered by the verdict for the acquittal of that uh, former, now former police officer who shot Philando Castile. So, back to the Ascended Master, when they live human lives, they help drive evolution. So this whole thing about, you know, First Nations peoples, Native Americans, all this stuff, uh, natives, right? Um, Indigenous people, that whole thing, there's a wound in there that Columbus sparks, being the leader of this expedition. And of course, all of these shitty things that that happened as soon as he and his crew spotted and met indigenous peoples here. Um, So a lot of people here, you know, in different parts of the world have a real problem with Columbus Day as a holiday, for example, celebrating, right, this, this beginning of this colonialism and essentially this attempted genocide, blah, blah, blah. Well, we... We are invited to understand the evolutionary impulse that pain and disempowerment can drive us into, like the evolutionary territory, the growth through pain that these kinds of problems with power can have. So from the, any Ascended Master's point of view, you will experience, and from your soul's point of view, by the way, and your spirit guides and any angel you happen to talk to, uh, and also, if you're hanging out with any aliens from somewhere else, they have this perspective too. Life is life on Earth for humans is not supposed to be pain-free. Pain pushes us into a darkness and a heaviness so that we can learn to become the source of love for ourselves as individuals and as collectives, because that is the thrust and the whole aim of the soul living life as a human. So other souls push you into pain and fear and distress and doubt and guilt and shame and, and, and abuse of things so that you can learn to heal it because embracing the power of you choosing self-care, which is self-love, self-validation, that is your evolutionary strength. That is the end point of evolution as a human from the soul's perspective. So the ascended master has played this part as Christopher Columbus to help instigate this wound that now we're living with, we're living through. And okay, so that's like one thing. The point of his task through that whole process, the point of it is to open up this continent as a mixing place, as a melting pot. So if you... Uh, I, I can say that when I was a kid growing up in the United States, there was, you know, I was taught the mythology that America is a melting pot. And I was taught about immigration to the East Coast and Ellis Island and all this stuff. I was taught this mythology 
about how America is such a fantastic place because it welcomes everybody from everywhere. And you can be anything in America, and anybody can grow up to be president, blah, 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 which now it's now we see it's true. You know, <laughs> uh, literally anybody. Um, <laughs> the bottom of the barrel, the, the dregs of society. You know, again, and I, I did this in, uh, I went over this thing about Trump and several MP3s, but I talked a few months ago about, so I encourage you to go through my SoundCloud archive to look wherever I talk about Trump and listen to those, because I talk about how he represents, you know, the apex of the question, does my fear matter? And the U.S. election, the presidential election, which he won via the Electoral College, was in fact, in my view, a referendum on the question, does my fear matter? And the answer is yes, because enough people voted in certain ways that got this guy who's constantly, you know, fighting and and, and in a paranoid way reacting to threats everywhere because he has fear. And these people say he tells it like it is, these people who, who support him, but like it's a referendum on fear. So here we are in this melting pot. So this is what I wanted to get to and explain this image of what the melting pot from the, the bird's eye view is really about. And what this melting pot of the United States uh, serves in the collective evolution. So again, just remember the foundation here is human life is not about being pain-free. Most of us have been taught to think if we experience pain, we're doing something wrong. We've done it wrong. We're bad. We deserve shame. We should feel guilty because something didn't go correctly. Well, again, the purpose of your soul's incarnation as you is to experience various kinds of pain, heartache, grief, loss, guilt, shame, regret, making like totally boneheaded choices, you know, doing something that looks like failure, making all these what look like mistakes. So you learn about the power of choice and ultimately learn to go from fear into love and to orient your choices first from a place of fear or pain when you get hurt or when you hurt yourself or others or shame or guilt, anger, all those frequencies that fit with pain and fear and move into choices motivated by, based in, love, support, acceptance, compassion, forgiveness, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, all these things. So that's our foundation here. So in this melting pot of the United States, people come from all over the world, and they have for hundreds of years. We're going to leave out slavery right now, the whole abduction commerce thing about certain people coming here. Uh, we're going to leave that out for just a minute. Um, a few minutes, but we're just going to say the reality that people from all over the world have ended up here. So I guess we can include those who are brought here against their will. Um, all the, the reality that all these people from all these cultures are plopped down in here or find themselves here creates a, an accelerated, you know, the melting pot can become a crucible. What the melting is about is having this focused, so to speak, contained laboratory environment in which any and all 
human pain, us versus them dynamics, fears about safety and security, too much pleasure, uh, not a, you know fearing that there's not enough love, there's not enough resources, all the human potentials get crammed into this one country over several hundred years. So there is an accelerated learning process of going into pain so you can come out of it through love. Think about that. This is what the Ascended Master is telling me for these years about the purpose of the United States as a melting pot. It's in fact, half the time, maybe more than half the time, intended by all that is, our collective souls together of all the people from all over the world who have come here, who were here already, who have come here, who have been here, who have born, you know, in the last couple hundred years after its founding, people who were brought here against their will, whatever, people, you know, even people today who are being trafficked for the sex trade here in this country and slave labor, all these people have a part to play in the collective journey of coming into the pain of being shoved together Essentially, so the collective says what will happen. Now, in all these other places all over the world, there are their own issues. You know, if you're hearing this and you're in Denmark, yeah, Denmark's got its own issues, collectively, historically, culturally. There is a reason from within the intentions of all that is, or source, or goddess, god energy, divine consciousness, there's a reason for Denmark. There is a reason for Uganda. There is a reason for China. There is a reason for Japan. There is a reason for South Africa, for Chad, for Canada. All these places do have a thing they're doing collectively together. That is true. This is not to say that... The United States is is better or more special, but there's a particular thing about the United States from all that is is perspective, which is about the accelerated crucible aspect of throwing tons of different kinds of people together. So all of their us versus them crap, all of their tribal garbage, all of the pain about the other gets thrown into this, I mean, the image I get is like a black, a weekend where for two straight days nobody sleeps, and it's like this amazing, <laughs> like, amazing black box theater immersive workshop where you're going to try to figure out, you know, you have all these premises and all these different people who showed up for this workshop, and it's an exciting thing. And they're going to try to take two days or 48 hours over a weekend. They're not going to sleep. And they're going to try to figure out how to resolve the tension of all these people. But it's like a it's like a black box theater workshop in this small environment where we're all – I mean, it's not a small environment. There's, what, three over 300 million people in this country, more or less, 330, 350, whatever. But there's this crucible atmosphere where in one way – oh, here's the thing – in high school, if you were in student council, you had to do this lock-in or whatever, or some church groups do it, religious school groups, whatever. Same kind of idea, but just think about that closed environment that can feel like a crucible. Now, in that one or two night kind of workshop idea, intensive idea, you know, you 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 know, you have an accelerated experience. I remember going to like student council. Uh, I think they were called like leadership training 
workshop at the state level when I was in junior high. And it was like that. I didn't take it as seriously as a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I still, anyway, I have this, I have this funny memory. I'm just going to tell you as an aside. Um, after this, you know, I think it was a two day workshop. I don't think it was three. I think it was two day. Um, people like really bonded and it was like this super intense thing. Right. And, uh, I think we we're staying at like Bluffton college outside of Toledo or in Toledo somewhere. And, um, yeah, outside. And I just remember at the end people like, Oh, they made their best friends ever. And I was like, I was like still very, I was, I was like kind of Uranian as a teenager in a disconnected way. Now I'm kind of Uranian in a like, you know, middle finger in the air kind of way. Like, like, you know, um, doing what I can to like bust the patriarchy, like one listener at a time. But at that point I was a little more like middle of the road milk toast, but I had this disconnected thing. I couldn't get into all this shit except when I heard, um, you know, over there, I had an emotional response sometimes. But anyway, I just remember at the end of this this two-day workshop, and the sun had gone down, so it was like there was like a finality to it, and everything was packing up, and people were like writing down phone numbers and addresses and whatever. This was, you know, the early, you know, the the late '80s, so there was no email, or whatever. And um, I remember that as this bonding moment at the end, we played. Um, somebody put on this loudspeaker, the the organizers or whatever. Uh, we are the champions, and everybody held hands and swayed, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Anyway, I have this memory, it, it persists, it comes up, because the same thing about the national anthem at the thing, like, cover, covering your heart, like, no, I, this is not my vibe. But anyway, this crucible thing, where if you have it for two days at a at a playwriting workshop, you're going to love it, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be stressed, you're going to, like, wipe your breath, whatever. But we're talking about hundreds of years so far, a couple hundred years, almost 250 um, you know, in 2026 is 250. So it's like what, 241, um, of the crucible of being in the neighborhood with those other people of being in, you know, close proximity to the other. So at, basically, like I said, there's a place of, for Denmark and there's a place for Uganda and there's a place for Canada and China. And yet this thing about the underlying intention of the collective, all that is your soul and all the souls who are here, if you're if you're here, my soul and all of our souls, is to be thrown into the mix with the other so our fears that there isn't enough resources, jobs, money, love, safety, security, that our fears get triggered that much more. We as humans this is true of every individual as well as this kind of collective view. We need each other to be pushed into that fear, whatever our fears are, so we can choose to come out of those fears. This is the central point of why the souls are incarnating in the first place. All that is, if you if you've read my channel books or done workshops or readings with me, like this might have come up. All that is, God consciousness, creator consciousness cannot know itself. And so this is how it's told to me through channeling. The decision was made, like basically the big blob of consciousness that is all that is, that is omnipotent and all loving, made the decision, yeah, I, you know, I, we can't know myself, ourself. So let me split off and figure out, uh, let me, let me feel separate. Let me figure out what that's like. And here we are living as animals and people on this plane, on this planet, in this dimension. So we need each other. And here, with this crucible that is America, 
we have the gathering together of all these disparate groups. There isn't a group in the world that is not represented in this country. You know, at the very beginning, it's not true, but here in 2017 it is, and it will continue to be so. You'll hear something like, um, the, uh, you know, in the Minneapolis area, there's, there's quite a, a high concentration of Somali immigrants and refugees and people who have, from Somalia who have made their, 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 you know, moved here and made their lives here. And you'll hear about, I can't remember other specifics, but you hear about this other thing where these other, this other group is highly represented in whatever, Baltimore, whatever, whatever. Um, so you might think it's like a regional thing, but think about the big, per, the big collective perspective, which is every group is represented. So this is the United States as a melting pot dot 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 slash crucible is an experiment in the accelerated pushing fear buttons of self and other, of tribal fear, etc. The President of the United States currently, uh, as of July 2nd, 2017, who knows when this fucker is going to get take, you know, removed from office because it cannot possibly last three and a half more years, um, unless the law means nothing anymore. Anyway, it's <laughs> just incredible. The, um, you know, he represents, with his south node in the fourth house, natally, conjunct moon, both in Sagittarius. He represents the self versus other craziness. You know, so he actually, with his, you know, reluctance to condemn violence against anybody, you know, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to speak out about those things because he might not be a true white supremacist, but he is. Like, he might not ever say those things, but he totally is. He's everything that's wrong with tribal tribal crap, with self versus other fear. He has already decided he's not safe. He has already decided that the United States is not safe. He has already decided, because of his feeling he's not safe, because of his self-esteem problems, as I've explored in other MP3s, he's already decided to come from a place of fear and to not stop. So he, in fact, you know, a lot of people might be freaking out at times about what he's up to and what he's about. I want you to all, if, if you have those sentiments and those reactions, okay, I respect that you feel that. I have that feeling. I go from laughing to being like gasping to like shaking my head to like almost like emotionally collapsing for five minutes because I just fucking can't deal with the crazy lies. I just that just offends me. I have the Pluto and the Libra in the twelfth. I cannot, you know, I cannot harbor that vibration that he and his whole like team of sycophants and crazy white supremacists are, um, you know shoving down our throats as if we're st as stupid as they are or as if we're as stupid as he is if everybody's as stupid as the people who voted for him um okay get back on track so he represents the pinnacle he is an apex. He is the crest, right? He represents the very top of a wave. 
of what I'm talking about. This xenophobic, insular, insulating, um, you know, anti-intervention, everything about how, you know, we're not safe, we have to make ourselves safe. And as it turns out, people like him are the only people he can see, the only people he cares about. You know, bombastic, white, rich people, essentially. Uh, White, rich men. And then doll women, like his wife and his daughter, right, who fall who fall into his orbit. By the way, they have... Let me, just say, let me just say this briefly about that. I've been thinking about doing an MP3 about his Eves. I could talk about Adam and Eve and Lucifer and Lilith as, like, acceptable and unacceptable cultural versions of masculinity and femininity. Um, when Living Myth 2, Sacred Psychology, comes out, Hopefully soon. I don't know. I'm working on it every few weeks. Um, there's a chapter on Adam and Eve, which is pretty revealing about cultural stereotypes and requirements of men and women. But when I talk about Lilith and Lucifer, I always have to talk about Adam and Eve. And I did a blog a blog post a couple of months ago on uh, Hillary Clinton. We want her to be Lilith. We want her to be an outspoken woman who's autonomous, right? But she's actually an Adam, fitting into that that you know masculine patriarchal thread, and it's not criticism of her, it's just that the first woman who runs for president can't be Lilith. It would be totally ridiculous and unacceptable. I did hear recently that there's a, um, a woman, an indigenous, a person from indigenous background in Mexico, uh, starting a campaign bid for president of Mexico, the election I guess is 2018, and she's a Lilith person because she's talking about nature and water and the earth um, and indigenous peoples. But anyway, you know, Clinton's kind of an Adam person, but uh, Ivanka Trump and Melania are Eves. And by the way, Melania Trump has Saturn and Taurus square the nodes, and Ivanka Trump has Saturn in Libra, a conjunct Pluto, and I think the south node ruler, no, her south node ruler is Saturn, but it's conjunct Pluto and Libra. So she's got a multi-life issue with Saturn. So does So does Melania. So here is this guy who's acting like an authority figure, and they just kind of fall into his shadow because he's so loud and bombastic. And people want people wanted uh, Ivanka Trump to stand up and oppose her. He, she's not. She's a sycophant. She's a doll. There's a real soul in there, and she's probably a smart person. I think she is, actually. But I think she's got this survival strategy to emotionally navigate her, you know, lunatic father's horse shit that makes her into this plasticized doll is just she acts you know like an ignoramus anyway i'm sure she's very smart and let's have respect for everybody as a soul <laughs> so the point is that donald trump is the represents an image of the full blossoming full blooming of the tribal fears that are central to the all that is intention for the United States to play out. So he's actually integral to our evolution. You know, as much as his policies and his lack of policies and he's just kind of trying to undo everything that Obama has done, as much as he is destroying things and appointing, you know, racist jackasses to like undo everything that protects people, you know, to dismantle the government as much as possible, you know, having Steve Bannon this, you know, he thinks he's a revolutionary, he thinks he's a chaos artist, he's, you know, he's, um, I don't know, he's like a, 
he's like a, I don't use this word often, evil. He's like an evil sprite who just gets off on people being fucked. And, and, and you know, he wants everything to fall apart. And Trump doesn't get that. Trump trusts him because he, you know, Bannon is very savvy. Bannon, by the way, has Uranus and Cancer on the south node. He just wants to see things destroyed. Um, because he gets off on it. Because he wants to see, you know, uh, there's a phrase from the one of the Batman movies from uh, Christopher Nolan where um, about the Joker, some people just want to see the world burn, watch the world burn. That that's Bannon. That's totally Bannon. Um, so he uses his smarts for destruction. But anyway, um, this the, now now we go back. Sorry, I'm full of tangents today, but I have a lot to tell you, and I've been putting off doing these profiles and MP3s. So back to this United States birth chart, I want to talk about the core wound with Chiron in the fourth, Chiron in the fourth house, the house of the foundation. Now in a natal chart, in a person, person's birth chart, Chiron in the fourth says there is a wound coming through the family system. The ancestry includes a wound. The We could call it the energetic or psychic inheritance, the the psychic or energetic or karmic hand-me-downs from the family. We see a lot of that in the south node natally of a chart holder, but we also see it in the fourth house. Anything in the fourth house represents something automatically handed down through the generations. It can take different forms in different generations, but when it's Chiron, there is a wound. So uh, in a person's chart, Chiron natally in the fourth would say that my ancestors going back generations are trying to figure including my parents and grandparents so including the people who shaped me directly there is a wound there is a sense of inequality there is a sense of rejection there is some kind of um uh sense of not being worthy not being loved in the foundation of the family system Everybody in that family system, regardless of Chiron configurations, would be in some way dealing with um, this wound. Now, one person might internalize it and be quiet. Another person might, you know, have some addiction to try to escape it, or try to escape it through using a substance or food or games or porn or whatever, uh, and then find addic addiction, you know, present. Other people might just kind of be sad all the time or depressive. Other people might respond with anger, especially because this Chiron's an Aries. Um, you know, not a Chiron problem is not knowing how to process an emotion, which really means pain and fear. Regarding Chiron, it's the energy antenna within a person. So one will pick up on energetic cues and information in the world around one, specifically mostly from other people, perhaps groups. In a person's chart, Chiron in the fourth says, this pain comes down through my family system. I am being modeled examples of people who don't know how to deal with pain, who maybe don't know how to grieve or don't know how to process loss. Now, processing feelings means feeling them and emoting and transforming through it. When you see Chiron, in, just a little couple minutes here on Chiron in the natal chart so you kind of understand the fun, the foundation of this before I talk about it in like an entity's chart and then specifically America's chart. Um, not knowing how to deal with emotion, you might avoid it. Again, you might do an escapist behavior. You might whine about it constantly, but not actually work through it. You might hide it. 
you know, fourth house uh, related to the sign of cancer and archetypally associated with the moon, that crab idea of the shell and retreat and building an emotional pillow fort, you know, kind of like hiding from something. All these things are potentials. Actually processing emotion is going down into this foundation of the fourth house, which is one's emotional and psychic basement. The fourth house is the foundation for the entire life. Lots of times people come to me with questions about their 10th house, work, career, place in the world, status, ambition, respect, achievement. And I say, look, you can't do that 10th house thing until you do the 4th house thing. Like there'll be like an opposition or something, you know, that requires me to explain that. I don't do it automatically if somebody asks about work. But in some people, we're, we're, we're trying to do a 10th house thing without having that solid emotional emotional facility and that, that willingness to deal with feelings, to hold space for what we feel and to, to move through it and move beyond it. People with Chiron in the fourth have a task to learn to work through emotion, not just feel pain or anger or grief, but to actually experience it and work through it. Okay. Now, in, in a group or organization's chart, in the, the psychological, emotional, energetic foundation of the entity is a Chiron wound. Now, in some individuals, it's about reject rejection, whatever. But this in the, in, the, in the chart of a country will say that there is an us versus them tribal pain. Chiron in the fourth. Chiron in the house of the moon. There is a pain, and it's in Aries. The U.S. natal Chiron is at 20 Aries. And so there is this thing about a wound at the foundation of the entity, which is the country, the national psyche, which is about violence, power over power under problems, it's about pain, and it's about anger that comes from pain, but it's in the fourth house, It want, people want to suppress it. People want to ignore it, because if you go into that space, it can be overwhelming, you fear getting lost in this terrible thing about which you feel powerless. To a degree that's true of Pluto, if your ears are your ears perked up like, hey, he says that somewhere else too. And it's also true of something like Chiron in the fourth house. So, melting pot, dot, 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 slash crucible, <laughs> slash, um, yeah, crucible. Like um, I'm thinking about the tools of chemistry class and you have this like, uh, you know, accelerated thing where um, extreme heat is applied and pressure, heat and or pressure or whatever. A lot of this, like we can look at, it is, it is important, for example, let me just put this note in here. If you pulled up this chart for July 4, 1776 at 4.50, 4.50 p.m. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it, it is important that the U.S.'s Pluto is within 10 degrees, that's the orb I use, of a conjunction to the south node of the moon. The south node's at 6 Aquarius in the second. Pluto is at 27 Capricorn in the second as well. So it's 9 degrees and 3 minutes away. I count 10 degrees. Uh, that's what seems to work. Um, with everything but the nodes, I'll use 8 degrees for a conjunction. But this seems to work. Uh, so I use it. And I teach it. Um, so there is a thing about power problems. 
and intensity and power over power under problems in you know the foundation of where this collective is coming from so there's a setup here with Pluto conjunct the natal south node of power over power under problems of pinning you know uh, which is the human reality over thousands and thousands of years pinning uh, your ability to feel confident on material resources you know if I have tons of money uh, if I'm strong if I can build a high fence and keep the riffraff out, then I feel good about myself, right? If I have the resources to do that, then I see, obviously have the right to be confident, right? That's cycling through these these, these um, uh, unhealthy Plutonian dynamics. Um, so there is that setup in the natal chart about that. Uh, Pluto and Capricorn conjunct the natal south node. Now, if you're watching... Pluto transits, you know that in the next few years, the U.S. is having its first Pluto return. There's a big deal about this power dynamics and, you know, all this stuff in there. That's kind of a separate story. It's totally related, but I want to focus on, I mean, it's related, but it's a little separate. I want to focus on the Chiron wound here um, in the fourth house in Aries. Um, the us versus them problem is endemic to the whole system here right you have invasion and colonization as early as starting like essentially 1492 um and then that progresses right and then we have the bringing of people from different places against their will here buying them stealing them kidnapping them whatever slavery isn't new by the way, as of, you know, 1600s, you know, European colonizers bringing people from Africa to the, to the, the new, the new colonies, this continent, slavery isn't new. Uh, I, I did put out a channel book called Slavery and Soul from this being that I'm talking about, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth, St. Germain, Merlin, Hermes. Uh, that is the sixth, the most recent channel book. I put out a few months ago. That is definitely worth reading if any of this stuff vibes for you. This stuff about race in America, he talks a lot about the universality of slavery across the Earth timeline. And he doesn't go into the U.S. part of it, but he sets up the foundation for the concept of slavery and why groups of people, why individuals go through it across the Earth timeline. It's extremely important. I highly recommend that. Um, in a certain way, it's a, it is a six-channel book in a series of six books. It can stand alone, but it's just a special topic, you know, in me thinking about about things that disempower people, and then Judy answering my questions. So it's a, it's a slavery and soul is is really imp important. So um, the Pluto on the South Node has to do a lot with the setup of power over power under problems, right, in this country, and yet. The festering wound that will never go away is race, is self versus other. Is there enough? Are we one family? Chiron in the fourth, a wounding to the cohesion. Fourth house is where we create community. Our foundation is where we put down roots. Here is Chiron. There's a split here. It is becoming more and more obvious with specifically these police shootings of young black people whether they're killed or not but the killed the the ones in which 
the, the uh, young person dies, of course, get much more coverage. But it's happening, and people are like, why is this getting worse? What? It's getting worse because we need to look at it. Because we need to realize that slavery never ended except in name only. Also check out 13th, a documentary from, I think her name is Ava DuVernay, um, the same woman who did the movie, the fictional movie Selma, based in uh, Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s uh, The March, The Right to March in Selma. Sorry, I'm a little confused on certain words right now. But, um, but her documentary, which came out, I think it was um, either early 2017 or late 2016, um, describes, and it's about the 13th Amendment, which was supposed to end slavery, but essentially it goes into the... Um, the situation with prisons in this in the U.S. and how slavery never really ended, and this is also extremely important to check out if you're into any of these themes, to understand that the core. Okay, so the the emergence of her documentary and the ramping up over the previous few years and currently of these into incidents of police shootings. Right, again, you know, regardless of the skin color of the police officer, we're talking about the um, institution, the law-keeping institution, the law enforcement group against people. So it's the state and individuals. Uh, this you know, is louder and louder, and it's, it is getting worse because things are coming to the surface more. I want to put your attention on the fact that transiting Chiron, which is now in late Pisces, is, and it actually right now it's it has stationed as of early July. It's stationed. It's now retrograde. Actually, let me confirm that. I I believe that's. Oh my God! Here's my Sagittarius. See, I'm like Trump in that I exaggerate things and say things I that may not be true. Let me just look here. But I don't do it maliciously with my head up my ass. Chiron is retrograde. Yes, as of okay, Whew. as of uh, today, July second. I think it was a couple days ago. Um, so the the U.S. I see the bottom of the chart is twenty five thirty five Pisces. Chiron has stationed at twenty eight fifty one Pisces. Did I get that right? Twenty eight fifty two, twenty eight fifty one. And uh, uh, so there is the, so the wound is exacerbated because entering into the house of the foundation of the collective of this country is Chiron and Pisces. The pain cannot help but come up. Now, in an individual, just one note, in an individual, when Chiron is, you know, in the balsamic phase before its return, so Chiron at 20, you know, 28 Pisces, even 25 Pisces, before the return at 20 Aries, that's always where things you can't control come up, where grief comes up, where you have to let go, where you feel deeply. Balsamic phases, uh, the last of the eight pi phases, right, of any phase relationship, you know, of the phase relationship between the two. The balsamic is the last, and stuff needs to get processed and worked out and released, and that can involve emoting, crying, therapy, looking at things, being triggered. But also hitting the IC, it, this is louder, now, of course, this does um, indicate or call, you know, make us realize that the U.S. will have a Chiron return in a few years, right? 
But what, but what I want to get at more importantly than that is the progressed Chiron return. So certain outward events will be triggered by a, the return by transit. But the progressed Chiron for the United States, I'm going to tell you the story here. I wrote down some dates, which, frankly, I never do. So con consider yourself very fortunate that I uh, did a little research. <laughs> Usually, if it comes down to that, I won't be specific, so I risk being I might risk being wrong. I just leave out details, but I, I want you to know this. Um, the progressed Chiron return. Um, so the natal uh, U.S. Chiron is 20 degrees and eight minutes of Aries. Um, hold on one second. 19 years after the founding of the country, Chiron stationed retrograde by progression, or Chiron by progression stationed retrograde. What that means is that when, so Chiron is almost, is like super slow in the U.S. natal chart which always has an uncomfortable friction, sandpaper, pressure, someone, I get this image from Steve Forrest, staring at you from across the room. It's not actually stationing. It's not in that, you know, 20 and 17 minutes, which is where it's stationed. It's nine minutes of arc before that. 19 years. So July 23rd. Uh, if you're doing by progressions, it's July 23rd. So, um, but anyway... 19 years later, it's stationed retrograde. Then it went back for approximately five months, which is pretty normal when Chiron's in Aries. Uh, from the Earth's perspective, this apparent retrograde, apparent retrograde motion. It's stationed direct uh, uh, by transit on December 26th, 1776, which is um, five months roughly 150 years after 1776, right? Roughly. At 1538 Aries. Well, now, now it's moving back up. The The progressed U.S. Chiron is at 18 degrees Aries, and it's under 2 degrees. Let me just check. It's 2008 is the natal position, and it's 1735. So it's a little over 2.5 degrees away. Just you know, a little under two and a half degrees, a little over two and a half degrees. So what's going to happen is the progressed Chiron return will happen in in 2060, uh, just before that in 2055, the progressed U.S. Sun in Aries will pass the Chiron. So, <laughs> not trying to throw all this data at you so you're confused, but I want you to realize. Right now, by transit, Chiron and Pisces has stationed on the U.S. IC, the beginning of the fourth house. It's three degrees into the, the U.S. fourth house. Natal Chiron is in the fourth house anyway. So there's this balsamic thing about crap coming up, needing to release shit. In a few years, there will be a Chiron return in Aries. And this sets the stage for all of this stuff about race and the pain of the us versus them of creating a shadow of those people with that other skin color 
and then being so afraid that you make all people who are not your skin color into a shadow group, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't, let's see, uh, different examples abound. One that I remember is in, I believe, uh, Kansas, I believe Kansas, um, last year, uh, in Indian American or Pakistani American scientist was shot in a bar by people who was assuming he was an, an Arab person or Middle Eastern person, right? Uh, you're ruining this country, go back to your country, whatever. And this brawl erupted and this guy was killed. He's not even the right group, but the the white paranoia of the other makes it so it doesn't matter. This blindness that says that anybody who's not you and your tribe is obviously bad, and then making like a boogeyman, and then shoving a bunch of other people who are not like you into that boogeyman category, like this is ramping up. I don't want to be a, a naysayer or doomsday sayer or something, but I want you to be really clear that the evolution of the collective takes a really fucking long time. This is not going away. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It's better if somebody's in the White House who's not stoking fears and putting up videos where he's like, you know, putting a graphic on somebody's face and punching that person. Like, it's better if somebody who's standing up for human rights and gives a shit about people, that's better, obviously. But in a, in a, in a very important way, it doesn't matter who's running the country or it, it doesn't matter who's being an activist. We, this wound is playing itself out. So m there may be many more instances of this racial violence and all of them will be unacceptable and all of them will point to the same thing which is this festering wound hurts <laughs> there's a kind of a encapsulation of this energy this festering wound hurts in that on the media segment, the second segment, the 13-minute one on grief and grieving in the media or whatever, grieving in real life or whatever, when, where they, they play that clip of Philando Castile's mother saying, you know, this is going to keep happening because this is a systemic problem and it's going to happen to you, right? And it's very powerful and intense and it's summarizing this, this festering wound hurts. What this is doing for the collective is making it impossible to ignore that the energetics of slavery have never stopped. The basis of this country, the U.S., is this wound in the collective root. Can we be one family? Are we in this together? Are we the same in any way that matters? Can we look the other in the eye and deal with our fear that there's not enough? Our fear that they might be so different from us that it might threaten us. Is there enough love? Is there enough, are there enough resources? Are we safe? Yes, 
the Cancer, Sun in the 8th house of the United States, and also Jupiter and Venus in Cancer, and also Mercury in Cancer. All those things, the Cancerian and the 8th house influence, contribute to this, as well as the Pluto on the south node. Are we safe? Viewing, you know, in a certain way, approaching the world through the lens of emotion. But within the 4th house, the foundation of the country, is this festering wound. And I will tell you, I guarantee you, I promise you, as an individual, if you don't address your Chiron, Chironic wounding, it will fester. In an individual, the Chiron wound is a wounded inner infant. I went into this in a little bit in the Donnie <laughs> A Chiron story. The thing about that I recorded, I forgot what the name of it was before, but the most recent thing I did on on um, uh, President Trump, um, talking about why did he pull out of the climate deal, the Paris Climate Accord? Why does he trying to undo everything Obama did? Why does he do? Why does he do what he does? And uh, you can you know you can get about the title Donnie, but you can also see the picture of him as a little kid, like a six year old kid, uh, in the graphic I used. Um, I also go into it in detail. I have a book on Chiron. You might not know that. Uh, Chiron 2012 in the Aquarian Age, the key and how to use it. And it is about, it is based in channeled information from this Ascended Master I'm talking about, Jehudi, St. Germain et, et al., um, about how to deal with emotion, how to heal. So if an individual, so you should read that book if you're getting into this Chiron bit. Um, it's not about wounding and healing. It's about energetic sensitivity. Wounding and healing are byproducts. If we stop with wounded or wounded healer, we fail to see the point, the transformational opportunity in transforming consciousness about what pain is for. That's what the book is about. It's an astrology book, but it's got some information on channeled stuff that I brought through about dealing with emotions and pain. So if an individual does not deal with, with her Chiron stuff, her inner wounded infant, um, it will fester and it will dominate and that inner infant will take over all the time and sweep away, sweep her away. You know, she's trying to drive her car down the road to some happy place, healthy place, and the inner infant from the back seat will steer her into a cornfield and she'll say what happened because she lost control of herself because of a wound, a pain that took over. In this, excuse me, the chart of the U.S., this inner infant, the equivalent of this wound is at the founding, it was, you know, everything was based on this split between race, this devaluation of a portion of the population that was considered property. So we have not grown beyond the original USA Chiron wound, the USA founding based in slavery. We have all this conversation over the last several decades really ramping up. I mean, it was not happening when I was, um, well, 10 and 15 years old. Uh, that I remember, when I got to college, uh, I graduated high school in 1991, went to the college in the fall of 91, and I became aware of the new thing, which was sweeping liberal arts campuses all over the United States and probably all over the world, political correctness. And I was exposed to this idea and, you know, the notion of diversity, multiculturalism, etc. And um, I was exposed to this perspective of, you know, be aware of the language you use. Be aware of the power and language, etc. Um, but around that time, 
I saw that people in my perception were beginning, but again, I was 18, maybe it had already been happening. But I think this level of dialogue about how the United States was actually founded on racism, you know, it wasn't just, a, you know, uh, dozens and hundreds and thousands of angry brown people shaking their fists in the air and protesting over decades. It was coming into a more mainstream dialogue in my perception. Of course, I could be wrong, but it wasn't just, you know, this conversation saying, the reality is many of the founders held slaves. Here's the deal. You know, that conversation seemed to me to, to take off. I got, you know, exposure to that. Maybe that's appropriate uh, to say. But it wasn't just, you know, documentary footage from the 70s of an angry activist. It was being more discussed. So the reality is this country was founded on this power differential, this power imbalance devaluing the other. Those other people aren't smart enough. They can't think like we do. They can't learn. If you find out that one can read, well, I mean, that's a special one, but, you know, don't expect too much. All these inherently racist ideas that become kind of ideology that essentially is the fuel on which this country runs because this country was built on on the economic benefit of slavery. One of the things that Ascended uh, Master Judy talks about in Slavery and Soul is that slavery is always for economic reasons. Yes, it involves devaluing, dehumanizing, you know, painting a picture of a group or a person as animal, less than human, less than you, not loved by your God, less than, not smart, etc., all these different things. But it is used toward economic ends. That is a reality. Even among tribal groups, anywhere in the world, they might be, in fact, distant relatives. They're, they might be the same skin color and share a lot of you know, genetic ancestry. But the people on the other side of that hill, they dress funny and they pray funny. And uh, you, know, you can still see them as the other, even if they have the same skin color. And this is going on in different parts of the world all throughout the timeline. So it does involve dehumanization. But in fact, it's about economic, it's driving economics. So we see that Pluto on the eighth, on the second house south node, you know, Pluto power, the, the assumption that money equals power, right? And then we see the sun and cancer in the eighth, you know, the eighth house being the house of Pluto. So we have this whole assumption inherent in the founding of this country and the kind of collective ethos that we are living through. It does not suit like what we view as reality today, but there there is a you know hegemony, a small group of powerful people, essentially the racists and white supremacists to have you know power and money and position and status. Uh, they they are fighting you know they are fighting to to maintain that. We see a lot of we, we see a lot of the people who come out as um, you know leaders in the Republican establishment now. Some of them are these people and some of these. Um, people in this, quote, populist vein of the Republican Party, of which the president is one, um, you know, they're more obviously part of this subset. It's not everybody. It's not everybody who's a Republican. It's not everybody who's white. It's not everybody, but there are these things happening. I want to also say that this wound also affects the people who are white. I want to be clear about that. It's not just Oh, white cops keep shooting black people. 
it's also that, I mean, it, it goes both ways. We are in this together. Fourth house, we have a shared foundation and we're all wounded. That's what I want to get at here. And I want to say that the more and more headlines, also the, the, the activities and then the media coverage that you're seeing about white supremacists, about, oh my God, the people who are upset about the Confederate monuments being removed, the people who are sad and really angry, really, really angry that the Confederate flag is, is being phased out, you know, you know, and they're saying the Confederacy and the South's part in the Civil War in the U.S. in the 1860s, and all that stuff was not about slavery, it was about states' rights, so they're just fucking deluded, and everybody but them knows it. But that same thing, pride in the Confederacy, the lost cause, that whole bit, is also the same wound, stemming from the same wound, the festering of the same wound, as what we're talking about with the other side of the racist thing, with the with the 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 young black people being shot and or being shot and perhaps killed by the police. So the white supremacist in Oregon, the guy who was just let's have compassion for all souls, but the guy was office rocker, and he was the one who was you know several months ago in Portland, Oregon, or six weeks ago or whatever, was picking on and verbally abusing the two young women. I Apparently, I guess, if I remember correctly, one of them was wearing a hijab, and they were both Muslim. And then those two guys on the train or on the bus, whatever, intervened, and then this the guy who was off his rocker ended up stabbing and killing the two guys. Stabbing three people, but two guys died. Anyway, that whole bit, this is the same exact thing that I'm talking about. So it is easy for our linear logical minds, it is easy for if we feel like we are progressive people who care about humanity, if we feel like we're on the side of justice and equality and the, and, uh, you know, the right way to be, uh, caring about people, being interested in, you know, metaphysically minded, whatever, if we feel that we are in that camp, it's going to be easy for us to see the victimization of black people by white police officers in one category, and then the freakouts by white supremacists in another category. So, you know, you know, like uh, the two girls on the train, the two teenagers or young women on the train in Portland, uh, uh, and the two guys, who, the three guys who got stabbed, the two guys who died, these are all victims. And then we hear the white supremacist guy basically screaming angrily, indicating that he believes he's a victim. Because white people are victims. It's, you know, we're going to want, be inclined to perhaps judge one, okay, what I want to, I'm kind of a little scattered, but I want to be clear that it's all the same thing. It all goes back to the same root, American root, wounding, Chiron in the fourth. Chiron in Aries, let's just talk about that for a second, is a wounding to the sense of the right to exist. <laughs> Carmen and Aries uh, is about a wounding to the sense of will, a wounding pain regarding having will and initiating and taking action, the ability to feel like you can defend yourself. So here we have 
you know, different groups or different portions of the culture. How do you say this? The people who think they are America and they alone are America are maintaining a divisiveness. The people who have been, I don't know how to say this right, divided against, right? The people who, maybe the minorities, maybe people who have different skin colors, whatever. Um, people who are not like, you know, more or less original white stock, even though all these white people who are freaking out are fucking descended from immigrants too. Um, but that perception of like, white is right, white is best, whatever. This divided against thing has to do with defending against the other. Aries, defending. A, a reaction against defending from this other people who have been created shadow. In that on the media clip, in the second one, which is about the, the race thing, not the happy birthday Canada question mark thing, but the grieving in life and in the media, they, they have a quote in there from, I believe it's James Baldwin, and it's an audio excerpt, and he says, basically, he goes, I'm totally paraphrasing, but some of these words he does use, he goes, I'm not a nigger. White people created that image. They created it. So white people, if you want to figure out how to heal this race stuff, you have to figure out why you did it. And then the commentator, the uh, journalist, who's one of the two who uh, is on the show, says, yeah, but if a white person does do that, there's this thing about authenticity and crossing lines and offending people. So what can we do? And that's when I was like, I have to get off the, um, get out of the sauna and go downstairs and turn the mic on and tell the story. Because, because, um, in many ways, you, you can't do anything and win. If you try to heal, if you try to address something, a lot of times you might even come up against, well, you don't know what we've been through. I did an MP3 on that a while ago too. You don't know what it's like. You haven't experienced our pain. So it's like, well, okay, well, let me listen. Let me try to learn about that. And then you might even get accused of not being authentic and not you know, being able to understand whatever. So I'm getting at the point of, the point. my point here is about the divisive nature of the Chiron and Aries in the fourth wounding. So I mentioned the transit, the upcoming return in a few years, the Chiron return. I mentioned the progressed Chiron return, which is a huge deal. And I said that's going to happen, you know, in 2060 and in 2055 or five years. Before that, the progressed Sun and Aries passes over the Chiron. I just want you to understand, again, not to be doomsday-like, but we are in the middle of an incredibly painful um, opening of this wound, both from the standpoint of the people who are not white being on the receiving end, potentially, of certain freakouts and of the freakouts of the people who are freaking out because this country appears to be less white than it used to be and they feel not safe. So we're in the middle, we're actually at the, how do you say this? We're in the middle of several hundred years of this. It's exacerbating, it's being exacerbated, it's ramping up. This is a big deal. This is the hugest deal I could probably ever tell you about, about this collective experience of what, what the USA is. 
and all the souls who have incarnated in this country or come here as humans, right, immigrating, emigrating, being slaves, whatever, in that category of not born here but but come but come came here under certain under some circumstance or other, we are all in this cultural writhing together. We're all in this collective pain exacerbation together. Again, if you don't deal with a Chiron wound, it will fester. And we are feeling it having festered for a very long time. Like I said, it's not any longer people who appear to be radicals shaking their fist in the air on some documentary from the 60s. It is no longer you know, fringy activists who are saying slavery never went away and the entire problem with this country is its hatred of the other or the hatred of black people, the African descended people. Like whatever it is, I, I I'm I I tend to like to say brown to cover vast quantities of people from various cultures who are not pink. I in this MP three I've said white, but I often will say pink for Caucasian or Caucasoid people, and other people I'll say brown for different you know, not everybody on the planet, but I'll do that to you know, just to kind of be I'm not white. I'm Caucasoid, but my skin's pinkish. Sometimes it's a little orangish, or maybe I have a little tan, but it's pink. Yeah, so this is a ride that we're on. This is a complex, very... Uh, there's going to be a lot of examples, I believe more examples, of these shootings and racial violence and freakouts from both sides. Pro, you know, instigated by police and or white supremacists, you know, people who like are loyal to the Confederate Army, you know, people who can't admit that, uh, you know, actually this has come up in a recent podcast about um, another one, the one of my other favorite podcast, I have these two favorites, On the Media and then also Backstory, and it was recently, and I've listened to it twice, I'm going to keep listening to it because it's just really important about the removal of Confederate monuments and memorializing the Confederacy here in the U.S. And they, and they, um, anyway, it's worth listening to backstory. And, uh, actually I can probably see on my phone what it's called. Yeah. Just give me a second. Do, do, do. Let's do that. Backstory. <laughs> it's called Contested Landscape. The Battle Over Confederate Monuments from like mid-June is what it's from. So um, that's super important. Um, again, Contested Landscape, The Battle Over Confederate Monuments. And um, one of the things that uh, I don't want to get too distracted by talking about what's in there, but there, there's a conversation about the, the way that the Civil War is, is – the Civil War – from the South's perspective, the Confederate perspective is mythologized. How they didn't lose the war, they were overpowered by the industry and money and the force of the U of the of the US government. Well, they lost, but they can't admit that. So this need to have pride, here's this wounded sense of pride. Chiron and Aries in the fourth house. It's the same exact thing. So we're gonna have more examples of these flare ups from both sides. And I don't I, I want you to decide now you're not going to lose faith 
that everything can be healed, but that a bunch of different people on both sides of this conversation, and perhaps including you, but you, we need to work out the pain and these experiences that hurt us that we hear in the media. This person was shot, this person was killed, this person was stabbed, and then the police officer got off or whatever. Like These stories that hurt us are part of the grand collective plan from all that is to exacerbate the wound so it can be healed. And I want to say that for an individual, back to the Chiron idea, at an individual's Chiron return, he or she cannot avoid the wound. More sensitivity is there, more energetic emotional sensitivity. The wounding from the past cannot be avoided. I just actually did a note on Facebook about Jason Chaffetz, Jason Chaffetz the uh, U.S. representative from Utah who's retiring now and going to Fox News. And he's like, you know, whatever, he's a tool of the Republicans, you know, stooge machine, but he um, uh, is at his Chiron return. And I'll bet he just, he can't take the scrutiny knowing that as a Republican leader, he's fighting a losing battle because all this shit is blowing up. This ignorance and ineptitude and lack of leadership and kowtowing to the man baby in the White House just because, you know, just because of some party allegiance, but the guy isn't even a Republican, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I just did a note on the Chiron return for Jason Chaffetz and saying it happens around age 50 for, a, for an individual. And um, I was saying that you can't avoid energetic sensitivity. You can't avoid the wound. So regarding a country, here we are again, that balsamic phase uh, before the Chiron return in a few years, but also the Chiron transiting over the IC and then stationing early in the fourth house, that exacerbates all of this. So we cannot avoid this wound anymore. And I want you to be aware that for the next several decades, this conversation will get louder and louder. And part of you may feel afraid, may feel a great deal of grief and sorrow, not just for those individuals and their surviving family members who may die in this process, who may hurt each other, who maybe have terrible things happen to them, not only just the grief for the individuals but also and the survivors, but also or the people who, you know, their families, but also we need to have this wound unearthed. We can no longer get away with denying that this country was founded on this inequality, this wound, this creating a boogeyman. As James Baldwin said, that's not who I am. You made that. You created it. You have to look at why you created it. He's exactly right. So we can no longer avoid feeling this. And so for the next few decades... Be aware, please remember, as much as you can, this higher-level perspective I've been offering you about this, um, the real meaning, this higher perspective, this meta-analysis of what the melting pot really means. You know, the melting pot as dot, 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 slash crucible. The crucible, the incubator, the, you know, lock-in during which in two days, everyone goes through this amazing transformation process and is pushed to the limits and laughs and cries and bonds, whatever. <laughs> you know, we are doing that over hundreds of years. The, we are essentially, the United States is functioning from the collective perspective. I don't think I said it this way earlier, but I'm going to say it now. As a microcosm, an accelerated, you know, crucible in which 
all the problems of humanity confront each other and must be dealt with. I remember years ago, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I don't remember how long ago it was, this movie Crash that won the Academy Best Academy Award for Best Picture. And I remember when that came out and I saw it and I was like, I lived in Los Angeles at the time. And I saw it and I was like, this tells me nothing. You know, these groups of people come together and they confront it, they bounce off each other and they confront their racism and whatever and they learn, but they don't really learn. It's just kind of like these series of interrelated vignettes that's very depressing. It's not life affirming. It doesn't tell you how to heal anything. It just reveal. it points at the wound. So, uh, okay, it serves a purpose because it talks about the wound. It, it indicates the wound. But it's not redeeming as so, a socially useful piece of entertainment. It just struck a chord because it hit the wound. It pushed the wound button so everyone's like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's so great. Whatever. It tells us what we already know. We can't avoid the wound. People are hurting. A chunk of the population is more or less disenfranchised. Again, not every white person is a Confederate racist, whatever. Not every you know person who's not white is you know feeling disenfranchised. But essentially, this thread in our collective consciousness that we're trying to work through involves this disenfranchisement, this marginalization, this fact, this idea that slavery never ended. It's just now turned into this corporatized prison system and how the courts work and blah, 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 and law enforcement. So look at how you feel about this. Look at what comes up in you, regardless of your ancestry and heritage, regardless of whether you were born in this country or not, regardless of whether you're of African descent or not, uh, regardless of whether anything. If you're involved with this country, your soul has decided whether you came here as an adult after being born and raised somewhere else, or whether you're born and raised here. Your soul has you part of this story where millions, 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 many billions of souls over hundreds of years are involved in contributing to the story. So look at how you feel. Look at what makes you afraid about racial violence, about white supremacy. Maybe you're somebody who maybe wouldn't say you're a white supremacist, but you fear the encroachment of these other populations. Maybe you do. I have I'm, tr I'm trying to have compassion for all these people, even though I've called the white supremacist names in this podcast, and I do often kind of can't control my mouth sometimes because I am hurt by how people hurt each other. And on a certain level, you are too. So look at how this affects you. Look at how you feel. Don't assume... Hmm how do I say this correctly, or in the spirit of what your soul has you on this planet to do. Don't assume that being an activist makes you a good person, and don't assume not being, being not an activist makes you a bad person, right? The primary thing your soul has you here to do is to learn about what you feel. To cycle through disempowerment or powerlessness, to be in fear, pain, grief, regret, shame, guilt, anger, bah, jealousy, sorrow, grief, whatever. To be in those states and to come back through self-care, through self-validation, through self-love. So again, regardless of your skin color, your cultural background, where you were born and raised, where you live now, 
your job is to grow through your feelings about this. And this is true for all of us. This is our assignment over the next decades as this wound, as the, uh, the um, you know, paper mache band-aid just disintegrates. Oh, yeah, the 13th Amendment. Oh, yeah, everybody's free. Oh, yeah, we're all equal. Oh, yeah, 1964, Civil Rights Amendment. All, you know, all these things that in name say we are now one unified family. All those things that are attempts, attempts to fix this. I'm not saying that word correctly, attempts. Anyway, we're trying to fix it. All those things have, in many cases, noble causes, you know. Um, but we're not, this is the key. This is a collective wound affecting millions, billions over the course of these hundreds of years. Maybe billions. Yeah, if we have 330 people, 330 million people now. Anyway, could be more than millions. But we are all figuring this out. And in a way, everyone who's associated with the U.S., needs to go through this painful process, needs to be transformed through encountering the pain, disenfranchisement, the marginalization, the whatever, uh, white guilt, you know, white liberal guilt, whatever, I don't, you know, the actual experience, you know, part of this is, if you're born in the U.S. or born somewhere else and emigrate to the U.S. and you have pink skin, you are here to view the race issue through, through that lens. If you have skin that is not pink, varying shades of other colors, and you are born in this United States or you were born somewhere else and you find yourself here in one way or another, you are here to experience this race problem through that lens. So, so just to wrap up this idea of the collective perspective, all that is, goddess and God, collective sources, channel perspective that I've been I talked about in the beginning and straight away from to get into the Chiron stuff. Um, all of that collective thing, everybody who's here is here to deal with it. What to do with the other is a huge question, and for many, many, many people, it's about race. I just saw, I, I'm going to tell you this thing I, I recently saw, and I, I don't remember how recent it was, but it was, I saw it maybe six weeks or two months ago. And I think at that point it was a recent video on YouTube from a recent Saturday Night Live show. I think I was looking up um, Alec Baldwin's impersonations of Donald Trump and one of the other sketches and Alec Baldwin was in, and it was like uh, taking place in contemporary New York, contemporary Brooklyn. And it was a tour of like a first-person reenactment of uh, an, an immigrant family, the, this couple who were portraying, like in you know, 2017 Brooklyn, they were it was like a museum of the immigrant experience. I think is what they called it, something like that. And it was a Polish couple. <laughs> uh, the characters were playing Polish people, so they they had actually terrible accents, but they were pretending to have accents. And the tour guide was bringing through what we're supposed to think is like a high school group, but of course it's other actors and actresses in the cast. And um, 
the the tour guide is saying, oh, well, you know, these are people who are, you know, came to this country to make a new life for themselves and whatever, and the courage and the spit and the fire and whatever, and the tenacity and the can-do. And every time the actors who are playing the Polish immigrants speak, they're dissing Italian immigrants. <laughs> and this and, and this was so precious to me uh, because this sense of the other, this sense of being put, you know, especially in New York City in the late 18th and early 19th or early uh, late 19th and early 20th centuries, with the crazy waves of immigration, and I guess like the 1880s and 90s, and uh, you know, and then also in the 19 teens, those two kind of massive waves of immigration that really altered this country. A lot of those people came in through New York and a lot of them stayed there. I mean, my ancestors from my dad's family came over then, but they went on to Ohio and then on to Illinois. But a lot, most people, you know, a lot of people stayed. A lot of people did stay. Not most, a lot of people. Um, there I went being like Trump again. But anyway, um, it was just hilarious because the, the story, the mythology is we're all in this together and look at the spirit of America and uh, hardworking uh, people come here, whatever, and those people are just bitching about the other people and complaining. And it's all stereotypes and it's terrible. I mean, it's biting. It's terrible. Uh, and that, in many ways, is the apparent story of America. Those other people. Now, I focused on this, uh, this MP3 about race, but it's the whole story of America. The melting pot. That is a crucible in which the pressure and the fire and the fear that there might not be enough jobs, money, uh, space, land, freedom, there might not be enough because look at all those people. That is the core of the wound, the Chiron wound in America. So like I said, I'm inviting you to choose to not lose faith that all things can be healed, yet to recognize that this is a collective writhing that must take hundreds of years. It has been brewing. It's been happening. It's been brewing. Now, like I said, this conversation is more overt. And it is the only way it can be more overt is through the outrage and the protest and the pain of the families who are losing children and young people in their communities to what is racial violence, even institutionalized, systematic racial violence. What I want to say as I wrap this up is the only way to really heal the thing is to have it on the surface. And the only way to really have it on the surface, because it is a source of shame and guilt and because it is the, the foundational rift within our own collective heart, our own national character, the only way to have it come up is to push the button and rip the fake Band-Aid off and to have it really, really loudly hurt. So, don't turn away from how this makes you feel. Choose 
to have courage, that you are stronger than the pain you're hearing in the voices of the surviving mothers and families. Choose to have courage to know that you are part of this healing process. Even if you're hearing this and you're somebody else, somewhere else in the world, you have a view on this. You've in some way, been, if you're finding this MP3, you've been exposed to mass media reports of these shootings and stabbings and when people who are obviously, obviously in the wrong are acquitted or suspended sentences or whatever, mistrials. Uh, you have an opinion. You're part of the story too. The human collective on Earth. That's the other thing about this crucible, this melting pot slash crucible of America, is that it's an example for everybody from the collective's intention. It's an example from all that is. The collective intention is that it serves as an example for everybody because everybody else gets to observe the accelerated, you know pushing off of each other, bouncing into each other, the fears being exaggerated, the fears being brought to the surface, it is a collective vision for the entire world. Now again, there is this also this myth about American exceptionalism, and that's not what I'm trying to feed here at all. I'm saying that from the collective perspective, I mean, one other, one, one th one other word that Jehudi would use to describe this is a mess. The accelerated messiness of all the themes of disempowerment and disenfranchisement and self and other and racism and all of this stuff, you know, exacerbated, right? Accelerated. It's an example for the world to have some of these things come to the surface louder and louder and louder. For example, um, maybe in China, with their own complex of issues, certain things are happening and certain things aren't. And then again, Denmark has its own issues. Turkey has its own issues, whatever. Uganda has its own issues. I'm just relying on some of the same countries I mentioned before. But to have all of those issues converge in one plot of land is the point. So we are all learning about this through this sense of collective wounding in our foundation. So if you are treated for any reason like an other, have compassion for the collective and for those other people who are taking a side that seems to dictate that you should be seen as an other. Have compassion for your experience, for their experience. Choose to not look away from the collective pain. This is how the wound gets healed. It is not in demanding justice through the courts. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be part of it from the human collective, from the human 3D real-world Saturnian construct, consensus reality 3D, right? That's got to be part of it, that will be part of it, that screaming, that pain. But from the collective healing perspective of all that is and us as a collective... When we come around to love what hurts, to love the parts of us that fear, to love each other who are fearing themselves and each other, who are those who are creating boogeymen, creating monsters out of the other, that healing comes from feeling the pain and processing it 
and owning our part in it, not as victim perpetrator, but as members of a collective, all that is, God consciousness, that needs to cycle through the perception that there's not enough love, that the other may be so different we can't love them, that they may take our stuff, we might not be safe, they might try to steal our children, or whatever, other examples from history, drink our children's blood, or whatever, like all these crap about the other. I need to wrap this up, I think for my own sanity, for your sanity, an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, thank you for your time and energy. Thank you for your attention to this. If you've heard this MP3 all the way through, even if in different sittings, you are somebody who has the capacity or willingness, the willingness, we all have the capacity, who has the willingness to stay open in the face of this collective wound that I'm, I swear to you will not stop in a couple of years. It's not one event. It's not five events. It's not 20 events. We must face this pain. So, so thank you for playing with me. And uh, be in touch with comments and, and uh, thoughts on this story. And uh, I'll also encourage you, by the way, to do research on when Chiron transits, has transited since the founding of the country, the U.S., um, issues about race, issues about the collective wound, issues about all these things. When Chiron has transited the IC, the, the beginning of the fourth house, and then when Chiron has had the Chiron returns. Look at, you know, there could be several dates for each return because there are different hits. You know, like, like I might pass up to 20 and retro and station retrograde at 22 and pass back to 18 and then pass over 20 again, the nano position. But anyway, look at those dates regarding the evolution of the dialogue about the inequality here, about the wound, about the rift, about the festering pain of inequality and, and demonizing the other. Do You do some research if you want. Uh, I, I actually... Um, I asked my research-oriented, very helpful girlfriend uh, to... I'm laughing because I was going to say a silly name I always call her. But anyway, uh, I asked her to do that, and she did it. And I wanted to read through some U.S. history stuff and do some research. And I just haven't gotten there over the last few weeks. She actually returned the dates to me really quickly. And I haven't had a chance to go through them. Um, and then, of course, sitting on the, you know, in the bathroom in the sauna tonight inspired to do this finally. Uh, but anyway, that'll tell you stuff about the ongoing dialogue about uh, race in America and this wound about the other and this fear that we might not be safe because others exist. They keep coming. There they are. They won't go away. Like, in, in, you know, in terms of immigration, they keep coming. In terms of uh, those descended from, you know, African peoples who were brought here against their will, uh, they won't go away. You know, the reality is staring you in the face constantly. There's somebody who's different than you. No matter now in this country, almost no matter where you are, there's somebody in, uh, you know, not that far away who's different than you. Okay. Before I get into all my tangents about being raised in a small town in Ohio as one of the like very few Jewish people, I'm going to close this MP3 because that's my part of my experience of difference in the other misunderstanding and confusion and boogeyman stuff. That's part of my experience. So I'm going to sign off. My name is Tom Jacobs. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and a channel and an energy worker, and I'm kind of working my ass off to try to explain 
bigger picture shit to you, bigger picture perspectives about the shit that's in front of you, the shit that's in front of us that hurts us. And you can read about what I'm up to at tdjacobs.com. Take care.